Hello and welcome from Kirkgate Church. Here are the intimations for week commencing Sunday the 28th of February 2021. Firstly, a reminder that all are welcome to join our Sunday service via Zoom at 10.30am. Joining details are shown on the website and are in the Messenger as well. The service should also be available to watch live via YouTube with a recording of it available shortly afterwards on the website as well as on YouTube. Another reminder that on Tuesday and Wednesday every week we hold informal Zoom chat sessions between half ten and half eleven. You don't need to stay for the full hour, but just pop by and say hello to anyone that's there whilst enjoying your morning coffee. Joining details again are on the website and in the magazine, including the dial-in number eh, for those using the phone service. The February edition of the Kirkgate Messenger is now available as an audiobook, an audio-only file that can be listened to via the website, the main podcasting sites and our Twilio phone service. 444201 and selecting option 3. Articles for the next Kirkgate Messenger, that's the March edition, should be sent to the editor Elizabeth McMahon by today please and it should be posted out and available to view online later this week. If you'd like a request or a dedication in the next Kirkgate by Request programme, then they should be sent to myself, Stuart McMahon, also by today please, at requests at kirkgatechurch.org.uk or by phoning 603-848. The prayer group will be recommencing a short monthly meeting on Zoom after the morning service on the first Sunday of every month. Therefore, the first meeting will be held next Sunday, the 7th of March. Please take this opportunity to join us for the service and to stay on for the short prayer meeting afterwards on Zoom. This year's World Day of Prayer, which should have been held in St Andrew's Episcopal Church in Ardrossan, won't be taking place for obvious reasons. Instead, there is a live Zoom service going out on the 5th of March at 2 o'clock from Edinburgh, which anyone can join by going uh, onto Zoom and entering the meeting IDs and passcodes. Again, these are available on the website and in the magazine. And you can dial in to that on the phone service as well. These are all the intimations and our service with Reverend Nigel Chicania will begin after the opening voluntary. Once again, the Lenten hymn, 40 Days and 40 Nights. Thank you.
morning to you all. It is our second Sunday in the season of Lent. I hope and trust that I find you all well. Uh, please keep going, keep sacrificing, keep worshipping, and keep checking on others as well. As we gather this morning, hear those words, and may you be called to worship God. We gather as the children of Abraham, the descendants, part of the many nations God promised to him. We gather to worship the Lord our God, the maker of the stars, the one who calls us to follow him. We gather united in our love for God and offer this time of worship together. And we join our voices together as we sing from our hymns, CH4, 43, Oh God, you are my God.
you very much, uh, Stuart, for that lovely hymn. And we continue to worship God as we join our hearts together in worship and in prayer as Margaret Cassidy leads us in the prayer of adoration and praise. Heavenly Father, as we come again this morning, we thank you that this time is freely given by yourself. We thank you for this new day, for being able to share ourselves and to come saying thank you for everything you give each of us, for heat, food, love, friendship and for protection of our homes and our families, those near and those further away. Father, we praise you for letting us bring our hurts and fears that trouble us and letting us leave them with you, knowing that your strength and assurance are all that we require. Thank you that you are there to give us peace, healing and refreshment, to renew us today and always. Father, in these times of trouble, we know we can turn to you for guidance and hope. Hope for tomorrow that when this virus is over, we will be able to come together freely in your name, freely to speak, sing and praise together in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. The same Lord who taught us when to pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day thy daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Margaret, for that beautiful prayer. And friends, we turn to God's word this morning. And this morning we are in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 18 through to 25. Evelyn Green is going to lead us in the reading of God's word. Over to you, uh, Evelyn. When God promised Abraham and his descendants that the world would belong to him, he did so, not because Abraham obeyed the law, but because he believed and was accepted as righteous by God. For if what God promises is to be given to those who obey the law, then faith means nothing and God's promise is worthless. The law brings down God's anger. But where there is no law, there is no disobeying of the law. And so the promise was based on faith, in order that the promise should be guaranteed as God's free gift to all of Abraham's descendants, not just to those who obey the law, but also to those who believe as Abraham did. For Abraham is the spiritual father of us all. As the scripture says, I have made you father of many nations. So the promise is good in the sight of God, in whom Abraham believed, the God who brings the dead to life and whose command brings into being what did not exist. Abraham believed and hoped, even when there was no room for hoping, and so became the father of many nations. 
just as the scripture says, your descendants will be as many as the stars. He was then almost 100 years old, but his faith did not weaken when he thought of his body, which was already practically dead, or of the fact that Sarah could not have children. His faith did not leave him, and he did not doubt God's promise. His faith filled him with power, and he gave praise to God. He was absolutely sure that God would be able to do what he had promised. That is why Abraham, through faith, was accepted as righteous by God. The words, he was accepted as righteous, were not written for him alone. They were written also for us who are to be accepted as righteous, who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from death. Because of our sins, he was given over to die and he was raised to life in order to put us right with God. Amen. That is God's word to God's people. And friends, as we think and allow the word of God to minister to our hearts this morning, we turn once again to to our hymn book, CH4549. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. We sing this song as it reminds us of the goodness of God from the time of Abraham, as we heard from our readings this morning, to now, where we see the goodness and how deep the Father's love for us has been and continues to be. We sing together.
Thank you very much, uh, Stuart, for that lovely hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Now we turn to our sermon this morning. Friends, uh, this morning we are going to be talking about Abraham's faith. The, the, the title of the sermon is Abraham's Faith. And this morning we are going to talk about faith and I think faith seems to be a simple thing, but hard for many people to comprehend. Many people are confused about faith. And if you really want to know what faith is, you have to see it in action. And that is why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 brings in Abraham, the man of faith. He is by no means the only man who has faith. But looking at Abraham, you can learn what faith is. So this morning, we'll look at the four things that the Apostle Paul points out about Abraham's faith. To begin with, we will look at what faith is not. Because sometimes, so often, it's very easy to get lost and go otherwise. But when we look at what faith is not, it will help us to unfold what, to, to, have, to have a better understanding on what faith is. Secondly, we will look at the effects of faith, what faith does, what faith accomplishes. And thirdly, we will look at the nature of faith. In other words, what faith is. And then lastly, we will finish by looking at uh, who benefits from faith and the benefit, the beneficiaries of faith, in other words. So let us begin with verses 13 to 15, which deal with what faith is not. Paul tells us that faith is not trying to obey and fulfill the, the law. It is not doing your best to try to live up to the standard that you think you ought to live up to. In fact, no matter what the law is or where it came from, trying your best to live up to it is not faith. In fact, when you try to live by the law, Paul points out you're not trying to live by faith. You're living by works. And faith is not expecting God to accept and love you simply because you've tried your best to obey some standards according to the law. In other words, if you live on those terms, you will find that you cannot re receive what God wants to give you. And Abraham is proof that this method will never bring you the gift of righteousness. If you think that God is going to accept you, God is going to love you, and God is going to forgive you because you have tried so hard to do what you think is right, you're on the wrong track because it will never work. And Paul tells you why. In verse 14, we read, For if what God promises is to be given to those who obey the law, then faith means nothing. And God's promises become worthless. The promise is this. According to the law, do this and leave. If you obey the law, God will accept you as righteous. 
Now the question is, can we obey the law fully? And the answer is no, we can't. We can't love everybody like we should. Neither can we love God like we ought to. Therefore, faith is not feelings or a feeling of confidence. It's beyond that. So what does faith do? In verses 16 to 17, we encounter faith in action. If law cannot achieve righteousness, what does faith do? First, the promise comes by faith. You obtain what you are desiring. This sense of being approved by God and loved, wanted and accepted before God himself. You are part of his family and you are forgiven for all the past and all that you have done in the past. And that is achieved by faith, not by seeking to earn it. The promise comes by faith. What works could not do, faith can do that. And that is a fantastic promise, isn't it? The second thing that faith does is to introduce the principle of grace. Law and grace are opposed to one another in so many ways and in certain ways. They do not cancel each other out. They simply do two different things. We need both, by the way. We need law and we also need grace. And I I know many people and many of us love to say, I'm under grace and therefore I have no need for law. The Bible never takes that position, by the way. It is law that helps you to come to grace. And without it, you have the same functions. It is grace that lays hold of the premises of God. Now, what is grace anyway? It's not the subject of the day, but let me just define it. There are many ways to define it. I love the one that says, it is enrichment that you don't deserve. God's riches at Christ's expense. It is all the richness of life, the richness of love, the richness of joy, the richness of peace, and the fulfillment of the heart's longing. All that enriches your life and that you do not deserve it. It is given to you. Therefore, it is a gift. The law condemns and grace enables us. Now we come to to the heart of the passage that we read this morning. And the heart of this passage is found in verses 17 through to 20. We are ready now to consider what faith actually is. What is faith and what is the nature of faith? Paul gives us three things that tells us what faith is. Three things. First, he says the key is the object of faith. Don't miss that, please. Abraham, Paul says, believed God. And that's what is faith. God is the object. The quality of your faith depends upon the object in which that faith has placed its trust. 
In other words, the amount of faith you have has nothing to do with it. That is why Jesus told us that even if we have a little tiny faith, like a grain of a mustard seed, it will work. The object of your faith is very important and the most important thing. Now, this may sound silly, but as a, as a way of example, let me tell you something. My son believes in me so much. However, no matter how much he believes in me, I cannot do certain things. I can take him for a football match or to practice football because he loves that. I can take him for swimming. But I can't stop the rain for him. I can't stop the snow for him. These are some things that I cannot do. For Abraham, God is the object of his faith. And God is capable of anything and everything. Unlike my son, who has dared as his object of faith, Abraham has God who is capable to do everything and anything. There are two things about this God that helped Abraham greatly. First, he is the God who gives life to the dead. Do you hear that? God gives life to the dead. The God who makes dead things live. God takes things that once were alive, vibrant and full of life, but have died and he becomes hopeless and God brings them to life again. That's the first feature. And that's the most important thing. Secondly, he is the God who calls things that are not as though they were. He calls into existence the things that do not exist. If you remember, he is a creative God. From from the book of Genesis, we we discover this. It is recorded that God said, let there be light and there was light. Over and over, for a week, God said, let there be something and there was And until after six days, he rested. And that is the kind of God that Abraham had. The God who gave life to the dead, who called into existence things that did not exist. It was that God in whom he fixed his faith. Now, let us look at the obstacles to faith. Whenever you have faith or are called to exist, Exercise faith. There are obstacles. Abraham teaches us something here. For him, there were two major obstacles. First, there were hopelessness circumstances surrounding him. Verse 19 says, Abraham was almost 100 years old. His body was practically dead. His wife, Sarah, could not have children. So all these were obstacles to hinder his faith or rather believe in God. When you look at our present situations today, 
in COVID-19, we have never dealt with the kind of challenges that we're going through now. And it is if, if we are to have faith in our God, we need to, to look beyond the hopelessness and the circumstances that surrounds us. Secondly, for Abraham, there were staggering possibilities. It was too good to be true, so it was an obstacle to faith. Isn't, isn't that interesting? How many of us doubt things of God because it is too good to be true? God cannot come and rescue me. God cannot come and heal me because it's impossible. They have told us, the scientists, history has told us this, and we doubt God. Now, here is the beauty of Abraham's faith. Paul says this in verse 20. His faith did not leave him, and he did not doubt God's promise. His faith filled him with power, and he gave praise to God. Maybe, let, me, let me read this again. His faith did not leave him, and he did not doubt God's promise. His faith filled him with power, and he gave praise to God. Now, many of us think that faith is evading the facts. It's avoiding facts. Some, we think faith is some kind of adventure that never looks at facts. A kind of unrealistic adventure in which you hope everything is going to work out. Faith never do that. And faith is never that. In fact, Abraham looked at the facts. He faced them head on. He considered his dead body and the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He sat and thought about it. He saw how hopeless the situation was. There was no chance at all for Abraham. His body was a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was ninety years old and had never born children. She was far past the age of childbearing. In other words, the situation was hopeless. But then I love what Paul puts before us in verse 21. He was absolutely sure that God would be able to do what he had promised. That's Abraham for you. When Abraham looked at his dead body, he remembered that he had a God who raises the dead. And when he thought about Sarah's barren womb, he remembered that he had a God who calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now let me pause there and ask a question to us. Do we believe in this God who calls things into existence? Do we believe in this God? Do we believe in this God who raises the dead? Do we? Now, this, this leads me to the last point about faith. Faith in God does something amazing. Faith 
grounds us in the truth as it did to Abraham. He was fully persuaded. This is the faith that was credited to him as righteousness. Faith understands the promises of God. Faith lays hold of what God has offered. As Abraham's faith grew, he grasped the promises and found himself loved and accepted by God. No wonder why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. In verses 23 to 25, we see the beneficiaries of faith. Isn't that interesting? This happened 2,000 years before Paul, but Paul says God did not write those words for Abraham alone. This was written for us today. We look at the faith of Abraham and say that was extraordinary faith. And yet Paul says it wasn't. It was ordinary faith. Anyone can exercise such faith if they want to. Everyone can be a friend of God like Abraham. Everyone can be accepted by God with value in his sight. Not just once, but every day, taking it fresh from his hand and saying, I am the righteousness of God through Christ. You are forgiven of your sins. You are restored every day afresh. If you have a God who can raise things from the dead, who can call things into existence, the things that do not exist, you are going to be a very exciting person to live with. Do you have that kind of God today? Do you believe in this kind of God who raises things from the dead, who can call things into existence, the things that do not exist? If you do, then you can change again how people think, especially during this pandemic. I close with this verse, verse 25. Because of our sins, he was given over to die and he was raised to life in order to put us right with God. Now, if there is a big temptation for us and for you to think you you can't have this faith. Here is a phrase you could repeat after me. Say, I am the righteousness of God through Christ. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Father, how we thank you for this example of Abraham. What a wonderful example of faith he is. How richly he has empowered us by the example of faith. He has taught us how to trust against, against the circumstances that surround us. When we have a promise to oppose against it, the promise and a God who says he will do something and who cannot fail. May our eyes therefore be fixed upon that God 
May we take from his hand this morning the gift of righteousness which we need daily. Lord, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. We are the righteousness of God through Christ. We pray for all those who find themselves today at a sticking point in their story. Not sure which way to go or if the old signposts are reliable. Those who are finding it hard to go on hoping or waiting for your promise to be kept. We pray for those who hoped for children once and now no longer do. For those who dreamt of who they might become and what they might achieve. And now they just keep on and on and on grumbling about it. For those who are old in years and need to know that life has a purpose. For all who's, who, lo- who lost their lives too soon and a rage at life's unfairness. Lord, please reach out to us. Loving God, if the story we have chosen to believe is true, you're not just its author but one of us, one with us in all life's twists and turns. Remind us of that when we, when the way is hard and faith is not possible and it seems impossible. But remind us too when the clouds lift and the sun begins to shine again and life is good so that we can share our joy with you and give you thanks and praise that you deserve. Lord, heal those who are brokenhearted. Heal those who are suffering from loss of loved ones. Reach out to those who are sick, who cannot speak, those who cannot express how they are feeling right now. Lord, reach out to them, those who are faint, who are fainting right now who are suffocating right now in in the different circumstances, please, Lord, reach out to us. All these things we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we join our hearts as we sing together hymn 396. And can it be...
very much, Stuart, for that hymn. And now, as always, look around you. Look at the people around you right now before I proclaim the benediction. With thankfulness and in anticipation for the part we play today for generations to come, may we go with the assurance of God's covenant love Jesus was raised to life to to put us right with God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with each and every one of us, now and evermore. Amen.